and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Vangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. Welcome to episode 37 of the Money Magic Podcast. If you've just joined us, my name is Vangile Magwakwa. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. So today's episode is taken from day two's life class of my um, inse- tapping into ancestral um, money wisdom training that I do for people on the waiting list for the money magic course. So people get to do the meditations and the lessons that I do in this training on their own. And then they come into the group whenever I open up the group and decide to launch the course together and we work through these le- uh, the lessons together. And in this particular um, lesson for day two, we look at ancestral trauma and ancestral wisdoms around making money. So we literally go into a meditation where we meet our ancestors and we start talking to them about our key strengths in our lineage and in our bloodline and some of the challenges that are in the lineage and the bloodline around making money, which really, really makes a big difference because then we can start to utilize that information when um, creating our strategies in our businesses, right? Because obviously we want to create strategies that work with our natural strengths as well. Yes, we want to have new exciting strategies, but we also want to tailor them to work with our strengths and we also want to hire out. (laughs) We want to seek help for the things that are the biggest challenges for us, right? And that we already know that we now understand that, oh, I also have that. And it's not just my own, it's also ancestral. So let me just be on the lookout for that because that will cause an issue for me in a later date. Okay, so without further ado, I am going to start the class. Let me know what you guys think about it. Please do leave a comment for uh, a comment for us on iTunes and leave a review as well on iTunes. Leave a comment on Podbean as well. Also on YouTube. Do share this with family and friends if you find it helpful. And of course, if this is resonating with you and you're listening to this class, you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? 
do check in the description there is a link to the wealthy money course and if the course is closed for registration just hop on the waiting list and the beauty of it is that once you're on the waiting list you will get access to the training whenever the course opens for registration right so and you'll get to do all this with us at a future date so hope this helps and i look forward to hearing your insights it is freezing in Joburg. Oh my God, the city is killing my soul. <laughs> oh. Again, I was under the blankets and under the covers. I went to acupuncture and had Kasa in a town today. <laughs> and afterwards, I had to go do something for my property in the city center in Joburg. And I just came home and crawled under the blankets <laughs> and slept. <laughs> oh, and this alarm goes off to do the live class at six. I'm always like, oh my God, why? <sighs> but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so welcome, guys. Um, this is day two's live Q&A, right? Ah, yesterday I didn't get to see people's comments in day one. Um, my comments thing has an issue, so I'm going to try it again today. I try today because I want to be able to answer people's questions. Um, and I can't remember. So I haven't written down uh, who asked the questions. I think... The person who, um, so there's one person I know it's, um, Carmen, I think she was saying that, um, for day one of, uh, the training, what she noticed in yesterday's, um, meditation was that when we're doing the meditation, especially around receiving money in your bank account and in your, uh, so receiving money in your bank account and receiving money um, cash, she noticed that there were parts of the meditation when she would hold her breath. So she was sharing about that and she just said like, she just felt like her breath would stop. And she wanted to know what do you do in that case? So in that case that is actually significant right so everything that happens in the meditations is significant in some way right um it all has its own like as the body is reacting the body and the breath are reacting the way that they're reacting because of something right so if you think about when we hold our breath right we often hold our breath when we're like going through like moments of shock and fear right so it's like <gasps> so this is why often when someone is um freaking out we'll usually tell them to breathe like we'll say breathe 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 right so that the nervous system can uh, start to calm down and the organs can get oxygenated right so then like we also want to be aware of when we're holding our breath, whenever we're dealing with anything to do with money. So in that case, what you want to do is if you find yourself noticing that you're holding your breath in any way and your breath is um, maybe uncharacteristically shallow uh, when you are doing day one's meditation. So one of the first things you want to do is you want to just focus on just observing what is going on in your body as well as you're holding your breath, right? And then also take a note of what are some of the thoughts that are running through your head and what is going on in that meditation, right? Is it during when our, whenever you have to um, deal with the cash, whenever you're receiving the cash or whenever you're receiving the money in your bank account? So, I know someone else, I want to say it's Kinelwe, I'm not sure, who mentioned that she noticed that she had a big difference between um, what happens when she is receiving the money in her bank account and when she's receiving it cash. And I said that in today's class, I would also address this, right? So 
often for most of us, right, it is, it's showing um, us that like, so, oh, one of the things that was said, and I could be wrong about who made this comment, right? And one of the things she said was, um, she noticed when she was receiving the money in cash, like she was having more heightened emotions. The sensations in her body were going, were becoming much more intense. Her breath was speeding up more. This is when she was receiving the money in her bank account. And then she started to have this realization that actually she's blocking money in various areas of her life and that she doesn't feel comfortable with receiving money. Okay, so that's great. It means that the meditation is showing you that it's not about the money right and that it is possible highly possible for me to say i love money and to also enjoy money and have fun with money when i have money but to also not want more money and not feel comfortable having more money flowing into my bank account or actually physically dealing with money or physically receiving money in my hands. These things are not mutually exclusive. We live in a world that tells us that it's either or, right? That either I love money or I hate money. And when it comes to money, it's such a layered topic. It is possible for me to truly, truly love money and truly, truly enjoy money, but also be highly triggered by having more money, right? by actually receiving more money and also not want to receive more money. And also most of us are not aware. We think that we love, that we get excited whenever we have money. So many people say that, right? They say, whenever I have money, I get excited. But the truth is that the physiological response that the body has when we are excited and when we are nervous these are the same two responses. So sometimes we believe that we are excited about the prospect of having more money in our bank accounts and receiving more money. And then we do a meditation like we did in day one, right? And then we realize that actually, no, something is going on. Like, yeah, I think I'm excited, but part of me actually doesn't want to have more money. And I'm literally blocking money in some way. So what is going on then? Well, it's because most times we aren't taught emotional intelligence at school, right? We're not really taught to sit and decipher our emotions. So it is quite possible that most of us are confusing excitement and um, excitement and nervousness, right? So what we probably have spent years thinking of excitement around having money and receiving money is probably nervousness around having money and receiving money, right? And so whenever that money comes into our bank accounts or we're receiving money in cash, we're literally going, oh, I'm excited about money, but then I just want to spend money and we think oh that's excitement over spending money whereas it's nervousness around having money and what we're deeming as excitement over spending money is actually nervousness and anxiety in order to get rid of money so we're actually spending money not out of enjoyment but as a way to get rid of money right so that is one other alternative, right? That's one other explanation. The other explanation is that, yes, it is possible to be excited about money, but at the same time to not want that money and so to find a way to get rid of that money, right? So both of these are all around how do we get ourselves to feel safe? Because remember, whenever the body, uh, whenever the nervous system deems us to be in a space of unsafety and the nervous system doesn't feel at all safe then it's going the psyche is going to find a way to get rid of money so that we can feel safe right and also the psyche will find a way to block money so even if we are excited about excited <laughs> right about making more money 
we just don't somehow find a way to keep making that money manifest in our bank account, like physically, or else as soon as the money comes into our bank account, we get rid of money. The other explanation is, the third explanation is that we also have something called a financial set point. So a financial set point is when we have a set point. Um, it's kind of like... Um, Okay, how do I best explain financial set point? Okay, got it. <laughs> I was just going through my head to quickly figure out how do I explain financial set points. So a financial set point is kind of like a point that most of us have a set point around debt, around how much money we have in our savings, in our bank account, and how much money we earn. So if you look throughout your career, maybe you have a set point around how much money you, a ceiling, right, that you've reached in terms of how much money you can, how much money you make in any given time. So maybe when you look throughout your work history or even your entrepreneurial journey you have a ceiling as to how much money you've been able to make in a month as a salaried employee as a freelancer as a business owner and you'll notice that you often make around the same amount of money every single month right until you make the concerted decision to say uh, actually, I am not going, I'm not going to go beyond this and make more than this, right? So the issue with set points though is obviously if that were easy, we would all be like, ooh, I'm so over earning X amount every month. I want to earn more than that, right? So obviously it's a little bit more challenging because a lot of times we put our set points in place for multiple reasons. One, because we don't believe that it is safe to go to earn more than X amount. And often that level, that ceiling when it comes to making more money is tied to something in our childhood, right? So either we never saw our parents make more than X amount, we never saw any say, a family member or any member in our community make more than X amount. So the idea of making more than that is unknown and as such feels scary or worse is that we did see people make more than x amount and yet when they did make more than x amount it caused so much friction in their lives and things started to fall apart and so we then have a vow that is tied to the set point which actually when you introduce vows, it introduces a level of complexity to the issue, right? Because a vow is a decision that we make and often vows are stored um, are decisions that are made not just in this lifetime, but in past lives and can also be ancestral. So as a family, we can also vow. You have families that are like, ooh, we're not going to have on an unconscious level, we're not going to make a lot of money because money brings um, problems and issues or the one that makes the most money is going to have to look after the whole family. So then people have vows to say, I'm not going to make more than X amount because if I make more than X amount in this family, then I will have to look after the family. So the way to protect myself and keep my boundaries in place is to actually stay where I'm at, right? So in that case, we need to work on releasing the vow, right? So giving ourselves permission to release the vows, not just in this plane, but also in the spiritual realm so that they know so that the soul is no longer held captive to that vow or promise and the best way to explain vows and why it's so difficult to break a vow right is think of marital vows right so kind of a fun fact when i was researching marriage vows years and years ago not because i wanted to get married but because I was developing the body of work that I do around vows, right? I learned that um, before the words to marital vows were that um, we will, they didn't have that till death do us part addendum in the vow. And this thing in marital vows, like we, we promise to love each other, etc. I don't know mar marriage vows, right? I don't know the actual words verbatim, but it was um, 
we will love it whatever they say <laughs> whatever you guys say to each other in marriage and then the addendum is that till death do us part that is a very not i don't want to say new thing but it's recent it's like millennia recent like maybe a millennia or so old or two millennials or one and a half millennia old uh, because they started to realize that when they have these vows and they don't have the addendum that till death do us part it is possible for the soul if you keep um incarnating not understanding how soul soul stuff works right they started to deduce that it is possible that you would then be beholden to the person if you say those vows even after death right so what happens with spirits that haven't quite found peace and crossover what happens in reincarnation right if the soul comes back and we don't have that addendum and now we've made this vow consciously in other lifetimes so that's also why they started to add that and i was like this is so crazy i don't know if people actually know this right i mean i mean i was reading several blogs i don't know how true this is but this is what some of the blogs were saying that i was reading around this and i was just like that is wild so anyway that's some kind of maybe true or false <laughs> information that i found online not always like i can't say that i have fully fact checked it right so i want to have like that <laughs> added thing if you guys go down this and research it please let me know if you think it's true or not and what you find um but anyway back to marital vows um Think about what happens when you are breaking a vow and you're hopefully not doing this, but if you're cheating or you've been cheated on, right? And there's this vow in place, right? And think about how heartbreaking it is to break that vow and how guilty we feel breaking marital vows well it's the same if we have a vow of loyalty to our family and we break that vow it can feel extremely excruciating to be like well i want to be loyal to my family but now i'm going to stop being loyal to them and i'm just going to be out here breaking this vow of loyalty to them so this is why vows can be so excruciating and so difficult and sometimes we make these vows to keep ourselves safe right so sometimes i can vow never to make more than x amount as a child because i'm observing the craziness that's going on and with family with friends with my community when people start earning more than a certain amount of money and also within our families we have that fear of oh my gosh if people see you succeeding they will be with you this is if you're south african right i don't know any if other cultures have the same kind of thing i know some of my um friends in different countries have said like they have similar things in their cultures where they it's like it's not being bewitched but that you'll be given the evil eye Ooh, right so sometimes we make these vows to say oh i'm not gonna make that much money because then people will give me the evil eye and so to keep ourselves safe now we make these decisions as children right and often you can imagine if you're going to make such a deep promise to yourself or such a deep vow to yourself a lot must be going on in that moment right there must be something fearful or some kind of scary moments that are happening around money so it's not just that we make vows out of the ether it's that like we're literally making them often from a space of i don't feel safe so in a very unconscious way the psyche and the soul try to keep this body safe by making these vows and then we're beholden to them as adults because there's so much trauma associated with making more money right so those are just some of the examples i mean there are so many other reasons as to why we would block money and why it would feel scary to make money I won't know exactly what your reason is. I can deduce it based on your family money story, but I won't fully know the reason. So these are some of the common reasons that I'm just speculating on that have sometimes helped people to start shift, uh, start shifting um, their blocks around money, right? 
So in today's lesson though, um, haven't had any feedback on the meditations and I assume I'll get feedback later on today on day two's meditation because yesterday I got feedback on day one later on, right? So day two's meditation is all about tapping into our ancestral trauma um, not that deeply on trauma, but we do tap quite a bit into ancestral wisdom in the meditation. And then also looking at um, how our emotional response around making more money when our friends and family members probably don't make that same amount of money and actually having to have people see us making that kind of money. So in the meditation, I ask you guys to call in your ancestors um, from your mom's side, from your dad's side. You also bring in family members, right? Who are, and also your siblings and your cousins and aunts and uncles that you want to bring into the meditation and you get to visualize them. And in there, I ask you to explain to them that you're making this income goal that you wrote in day one and how um, you're making this uh, money with ease. So you're earning this money every month with ease, working very little hours. And then I ask you uh, to do nothing, but to really just focus on what's going on in your body, your breathing, to get into your body. And also you start looking and observing uh, the faces of everyone as you're making all these fantastic declarations and letting people know. So what often happens with most people is that what they see when they're doing this meditation, myself included, by the way, this is how I came up with this meditation, right? Is this, um, I used to feel like, oh my God, people would disapprove of me if I make this much money. And so created these meditations so that I could find out from my subconscious mind, who the heck am I so scared of disappointing and disapproving? <laughs> uh, whose disapproval am I so scared of, right? So what most, what often happens is A, it feels uncomfortable in the body to say that, right? Uh, mostly because for some people it feels like, ooh, saying this is like I'm bragging. So there's a lot of self-judgment that goes with that, right? And then secondly, there's also um, this, some people are scared that, oh my gosh, I'm making other people angry by declaring this, right? Because now people are going to think that I'm greedy, all that stuff. All these are very, very important um, things to uncover because they're very much at the unconscious level and they're driving our a behavior around making more money, right? And some of us are scared when we're in this meditation that, oh my gosh, they're going to reject me. Oh my God, a big one that comes up a lot is, if I say this and they find out how much money I make, they are going to abandon me and leave me and I'm gonna end up all alone. No family, no friends, nothing. And then another biggie is, oh my gosh, if I say this, then people are actually going to step forth and say, where is my share of the money, right? So then we'll be expected to now share with everyone in the family. And so those are a lot of the black tax issues, right? Oh, uh, and then what else is a common one? So my common one, I don't know if this is common, but this was my big one. And what I can say is I have seen this also with a lot of my private clients when we do something similar around this, especially around paying off debt and increasing savings. It's like there's this fear or there's this feeling of I am betraying them. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, look at them. I'm, and maybe you're the first in your family to make that kind of money. And then there is go, there's often this intense, intense feeling of betrayal and just outright ickiness in the body when you do the first part of this meditation, right? And it will, and again, that is quite common. So when you're feeling the betrayal and the guilt, you have probably bumped up against some type of vow. My best guess is that you're probably dealing with a vow of loyalty to your tribe, to your family, to your friends, to 
your community right and so making this kind of money when they've never had to make the when they've never had the opportunity to make this kind of money can feel awkward it can feel wrong and especially if you're making this kind of money with ease and everybody else has had to struggle it can feel awkward and it can feel icky right i think that most of us um have seen this even so i'm doing this video for people that are joining us from other countries and i know there's quite a few here uh south africa had riots a few weeks ago and so a lot of people at least a lot of uh, clients and students that I deal with in my work we're talking about just this feeling of guilt of that some people um, that had more money in the country and if you had more money you were probably safer away from the riots and people that didn't have money were less safe so there was a lot of guilt that came up from that right so the crazy thing is it's not just with uh, strangers and in these situations when we feel this guilt we also feel it within our families right and part of it is also survivor's guilt especially if we literally are the only ones that are the first to make that kind of money in the family so it feels like oh why am i the one that gets to go out and have ease and have this money and they struggle so there's so much guilt that weighs on our souls so in an effort and because guilt is an emotion that we feel when we are doing something wrong what what will often tend to happen is that the mind will try to correct this right because if you think about it what do we do when we feel guilty so think about when you're a kid and maybe you stole sweets or something <gasps> what did you do when you felt guilty most times you'd probably be like oh my god i'm gonna get caught i'm gonna get caught so then you misbehaved because you're so scared of getting caught and you're being driven by guilt so you like go a little wild right or at times you just come back and you just confess and you apologize i'm so sorry i've done this wrong thing here here are the sweets i i will never do it again please forgive me right so that's the most common thing but for most of us we know that there's something kind of irrational about that right like when it comes to money it's like well, I've worked for this, I went to university for this, or I've been working like crazy for this business. How do you go back and say, here, take the money back, you know? You can't go back to your employer to say that, and it would be crazy to go back to your clients to say that. So what most of us do is we self-sabotage financially, right? We set our set points, or which is also a form of self-sabotage, right? Or we manifest emergencies, or we get rid of money as fast as it comes into our bank accounts. We spend it as fast as possible because, hey, everyone else at home doesn't have this. Or worse, we step into the savior role within our families because we're like, well, I'm feeling guilty. And it makes sense that if you and your struggle are the source of my guilt, then I need you to stop struggling and to start stepping up and expanding so that I can stop feeling guilty, right? And then we then end up in these really um, intense family dynamics where you are now being hated as the breadwinner and you're like, but I'm doing the most as a breadwinner. I'm helping people out. I'm getting them out of the situation. But in essence, you are helping people in a way that without asking them what they require of you in terms of help. So most times people feel like they are not getting help as much as being controlled and manipulated. And in a way, there's some kind of weird truth there, right? It is true that they're getting help, but it's also true that the help is coming from a space of I want to stop feeling guilty even if we're not conscious of, of that, right? And the best way for you, for me to stop feeling guilty is for you to step up so that I don't feel guilty about the fact that I am the one that has more and you have less, right? So that is also, so this is one of the ways that we then behave. And wow, we see this playing out a lot, even in terms of, um, NGOs, right? We see a lot of like how sometimes 
uh, privileged people go into communities and they, out of their own guilt of having the privilege that they have, start to help communities in a way that doesn't actually help the communities. Yes, it makes sense in theory, but when you, but the community needs a different type of help, right? And had the community been consulted, the funds would have been used in a whole different manner, right? Guilt drives us in very, very powerful ways. And oh, I live for the day when like, literally the financial world will do like, <laughs> way way more studies on guilt well i've had to do so much research and i like a lot of these things are my own theories right around guilt because i've worked with it so much for myself and with clients especially the clients that are the first in their families to go to universities the first in their families to get degrees the um and the first to hold down high level corporate jobs or to make tons of money in their businesses you just see how the guilt then drives them and so then guilt also leads to overgiving right again the overgiving is coming from a whole different place than from oh my gosh i'm giving because i want to and so it becomes harder to set boundaries right because again we're trapped in this it's wrong but we don't have the words for it because then it's so deeply deeply buried right so um one of the meditations in the money magic course that i do with students is around this it's literally around how wrong it is for us to make more than x amount of money to go beyond our money set point and to make more money right and it's always incredible what comes up like just the body triggers the fear that comes up because the wrongness feels so is so deeply ingrained especially because if you come from a collective culture your vows of loyalty to your family are probably very deep no matter how abusive or toxic your family is and i speak from experience my mom's family was extremely abusive right my cousins would be pointing guns at my sister and i in our teens and tell us just scream just say a word and we'll pull the trigger right and like and yet i still wanted to be loyal to them as an adult i still struggled letting go i would cry that oh my gosh my cousins the very same cousins that were doing this i'd cry and be like oh my god they didn't get to travel they didn't get to see the world i'd like go to sleep just in tears and how dare i go and travel and have all these experiences when they didn't get to do that why because children like your inner child and your inner teen just know how to love the majority of children just feel love. So there's this amazing quote that circulates online that when you abuse a child, any child that grows up in an abusive environment will not grow up to hate the abuser. They will grow up to hate themselves and believe that there's something wrong with themselves. And who do I resonate with that, right? Because I've experienced that. Like, Instead of thinking that there was something wrong with my family and the abuse, I thought there was something wrong with me for years and that somehow something was defaulted within me and I was unlovable. And so my vows of loyalty remained very strong until I started to work through them and untangle all that. And then like it became easier for me to then take advantage of opportunities and keep traveling and keep making different decisions to go and live life in different countries. But who the journey to get here has been one of intense, just grappling with guilt. And honestly, you guys can go on the Wealthy Money blog and just type in the word guilt, go on the blog and search guilt. Tons of articles where I like over the years, I'm just talking whenever the guilt comes up just dissecting it right because it's just so much around living a different life to the tribe and just making different decisions and feeling like oh wow why does it get to be easy even though it's not like 
Ease and easy are two different things, right? Like we can build in ease into our business, which I believe is what I do. But it doesn't mean that there was no challenges and no hardship. Doing this work certainly has been like intense. It's I won't say it's been like, ooh, it's so easy to sit with the guilt and work through it, etc. And go into those horrendous memories from my childhood, right? Because every part of my body obviously wanted to escape from those memories and yet I was stuck and frozen in that trauma and the one way that we heal trauma is to go back into the memories and to feel it and integrate it even when we're introducing pleasure right even as we are touching our bodies or that we need to go in there and help those parts of ourselves that are stuck in that trauma to start to move through it right so that's literally what I've had to do and some of those memories were not fun right and uh i also want to say that not all trauma is this intense right <laughs> i just so happen to have had like entered planet earth in this lifetime and had a very rude awakening <laughs> in humanity and uh human behavior of all sorts right at a very early age so but luckily it is not always like that for everyone right and you do try you do kind of there is light at the end of the tunnel like i mean as i'm talking about these memories i'm smiling at different parts right so i'm no longer triggered it took work but i was able to work through it right trauma can be integrated okay so then what came up for you i'd really really love to know what came up for you as you're watching everybody's um facial expressions and what are some of the fears that you had as you're watching everybody's expressions right this is super important because is so i talked a lot about the family right let's talk about why the friends were introduced into this particular meditation and your siblings etc even though like yeah siblings falls on the family anyway right and cousins and everything but sometimes our siblings are also our friends like my cousins and my siblings are my friends right so that's also the thing so they both in family and friends for me and often because friendship is such an important part of life right and most of us have seen have this we've been given this notion throughout life uh, maybe from our sayings like it's lonely at the top right all those things uh, certain sayings like that that if we start to expand we will lose friends now i don't want to debunk that right and say that's not true because you will lose some people along the way right but the truth is that you're not going to lose all your friends sometimes it may feel like you're losing all your friends right I speak from experience again but actually after a while you realize that no there's some friends that have been there throughout but it's just that you're going through something completely different and they may not resonate with it and maybe you meet those friends a little later because they also going on their own journeys right so there's the belief that we will lose our friends and we will end up alone if we end up making lots of money because who's going to be there to enjoy it with us right that is a huge fear so in this meditation what i'm hoping i uh, will happen and what often does happen and the purpose of this meditation is if you keep doing it often you'll start to notice that there are certain facial expressions that you notice in your or around your friends there are certain sensations in your body whenever you look at your friends faces etc and a lot of that is sometimes tied to the to this fact this fear what I call the fear of losing love the fear that as I expand I will end up alone so it almost so then obviously who wants to make more money if the choice is I make more money and I end up alone or I don't make that much money but I'm happy and I have friends and I'm accepted right like this part like the idea of making more money and being alone and spending nights on your own not having any friends etc doesn't sound appealing right because all that you're getting here is money whereas here you're getting you may not have the money but you're getting the friendship etc etc but now I want to ask you guys to consider a reality and a possibility where it is possible to make more money 
and have friends and actually make more friends and attract even more cooler experiences, right? And have much more fun, right? And actually even have deeper connections with people in your family, right? And for most of us, this is true because I, I know for most South Africans my age, what we have seen is that the breadwinners, the people in the family that did make more money actually did sort of end up alone, right? Because they so much uh, pressure was put on them. They were expected to do more. So they ended up um, not <laughs> having as many close connections within the family and there were rivalries and maybe people gossip behind their backs, right? But I want you to consider that maybe in our generation, it is possible that we, as we heal, we have the tools and we meet other people on the journey who are also expanding and have the tools and we are able to connect with them and become friends with them and also that our healing journey because we now have the tools we can start to share these tools with family and friends and they also go on their own journey and so we get closer with people right I want you to consider that because I have seen that with my family, right? Like how, as I've expanded, my aunts have come to the party, right? We now do family retreats in my family, things that we never did. Like we do proper, proper retreats with an itinerary where I host the retreats um, and some other family members will say, I want to do this at the retreat. I want to lead this session and people take it seriously. You know, we have like, meal times the works we have hiking we do these retreats and we come we discuss money we discuss trauma we even discuss ha oh, with my aunts womb trauma and sex and men and things that we've experienced in our relationships even in the bedroom and my aunts are holding space for this to hear it right crazy this is and i guess means about ahari because it's my dad's sisters that are doing all this right and it's with my cousins and we're all having this incredible support system right we do business together that is new but like i've seen how like as i've expanded i went i told my aunt what i was doing she started doing the work then some of my cousins did the work. My sister joined at an early stage. People started doing the work and it started to shift so much. So that like now we're able to just talk about money in a very like non-charged manner, right? So like when I drop things into my into the family WhatsApp group around my income goals, etc. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, if I say this to these people, they're going to think, oh my gosh. Let's ask her for money and I'm going to be a target, right? No, because everyone is now on their own journey. But it first had to start with me going on my journey, right? And as for friends, like a lot of my clients have become some really good friends, right? And a lot of my friends have become even closer because, because I could open up and be vulnerable about my money stuff and my family stuff. That also gave them permission to be vulnerable about their money stuff and family stuff, right? So it is possible that in our expansion, we don't have to lose. So I want us to, so, but if that is something that is deeply a deep trauma within us, it needs to be healed because again, it's not something that I can intellectualize with you, right? Because if someone had, I understood it on an intellectual level, but it doesn't mean that like I embodied it, right? Um, just because we understand something intellectually doesn't mean that we are going to embody it because trauma lives in the body. So we need to work through the trauma of those memories of having seen people lose love, etc. When they, um, when they make more money, right? And maybe some of us even saw how like marriages fell apart, especially so a big one is also like, uh, what if I start making more money than my husband? Always the women that are worried about this. I've yet to find a man in any of my courses or any of my male clients that go, who if I make more money will cause friction with my wife, right? Patriarchy. 
uh, but like for a lot of women, it's like if I make more money, then it's going to cause friction with my husband. So how do you deal with that, right? Again, these are things that we've probably seen. And not only that, with this particular issue, it's so deeply ingratiated within our society because of patriarchy. So it kind of makes sense in our heads when we're thinking like this, right? So this is also something to just be aware of. Um, okay, so then uh, the last part of the meditation is about working with your ancestors. So asking your ancestors very specific questions about uh, some of the challenges, some of the things that the ancestral bloodline has remained loyal to, like some of the behaviors that they engage in that have held them back from expanding and also are holding you back from expanding. So obviously we think we know what behaviors hold us back from expansion, but it's always just great to keep um, to do this meditation because maybe something comes up that you don't know, right? This is the closest, uh, well, not the closest, but it's sort of like when I have people uh, meet their spirit of money. So I have like the Money Magic Course has three spirit of money meditations. They are done in like a specific order. This is the one thing that I'm like, okay, you guys can do these in a specific order because they have their reasons for being that way and so that's when like people will meet their spirit of money and be like oh my gosh I did not even know I was this person with money you know so in the same way it's just like we're asking our ancestors like to say hey who are we with money what is our behavior with money and what were you taught about making money right because often what they were taught about making money is starting to impact us as a people, because obviously if our mm, simplest example, right? So let's assume, and this is true in my family, in my mom's side of the family. So let's assume my great, great grandmother believed that it was hard to make money and that money only goes towards money. That's what my mom's family believed for a while. They're like, money goes towards money and it's hard to make money. So obviously my great, my great, great grandmother would teach my great grandmother that. And because that's what my great grandmother knew, she would then just impart that knowledge to my grandmother. My grandmother would have taught my mother that, right? And so it's hard to, work, to make money. You need to work extra hard. Um, money goes towards money in order for you to make more money, money, uh, you need to have money, right? And so that knowledge was imparted to me. <laughs> so do you think I entered entrepreneurship and was like, ooh, I am going to be able to reach my income goal with ease? No, right? Because like what was imparted to me was that what what had what I had been taught by this one side of my bloodline, right? By my ancestors was that it's hard to make money. So my ancestors had somehow learned that along the way, right? And so I really, really believe that to make money, you have to work hard to make money. And so how that belief played out for me is I would insist on working 16 hours a day. Ooh, no. So not only that, that was also, so this was actually compounded by the fact that I went to do an MBA in the US and my MBA was focused on entrepreneurship and strategy. And my entrepreneurship lecturer had this obsession and she would tell us, if you're a startup entrepreneur and you're working less than 16 hours a day, your business is going to fail. So here I am starting a business and um, now I understand that like, I just like to find the easiest way to get things done. So in that first business, I tried, I every strategy and concept I come up with is so simple to me, right? It definitely doesn't lead to 16 hour work days. So then I convinced myself that that business was gonna fail because, well, this is so simple because I've been taught my whole life that you need to work hard to make money and money only goes to people who already have money, right? 
in a way like yes it's easier for people who are ready who grew up with money to maybe multiply money and to have money why because they've been uh, most of the times they inherit money right secondly they've observed certain financial behaviors that those of us who don't grow up with money don't observe right so then they just start acting in that kind of way that leads to more money so like they grow up watching their parents start businesses watching their parents uh uh, buy property, watching their parents do certain things. So obviously a lot of those things are going to lead to more money. So it's not that it's some kind of mystical, mysterious thing that who money only goes towards people with money. No, it's just that, yes, if you've grown up around money and you've observed certain financial behaviors, you're more likely to implement those behaviors, which is which will lead to you having more money, right? Than the average person. So, but I wasn't brought up to think like that. I just thought like it was really this mystery and somehow the little me that was hearing all this was, I'm doomed because I don't have money. So money is not going to go towards me, right? So even when money was coming to me, I wasn't able to see it because I just didn't think that money, uh, I was the kind of person that money would come to, right? And so um, with all this, as everything is going on in the, in the MBA program, our teacher is on this. And of course, as she's teaching this, my little brain is like going, this makes a lot of sense because I grew up hearing about the hard work to make money, right? So then everything that I came up with in my first business, I would completely scrap because it was too easy. And so that meant that my business, it was already a disaster. The strategy would never work because it was too simple, right? And um, I would actually stay up to kind of convince myself that the business is not gonna fail. I would stay up and look at my computer, just look at my computer and stress myself out for like 16 hours a day. So the days when I could get out of bed, when I wasn't having panic attacks and super depressed, I would literally just sit in front of my computer. I'd do whatever I was doing, get it done. And then after two hours or three hours, I'd be done. And then I'd be like, oh, no, but I have to work. And I would force myself to work. And I was like, but my work was done and and then I would convince myself that what I'd done was wrong and then basically redo it and start from scratch. So kind of um, funny story around this. I was telling the Money Magic students that they can Google speak to be free in my first company and I was sharing some blog posts with them that like the very, I, I had this desire to be, uh, yes, uh, to be a blogger. And I wanted to guest blog for some famous blogs. And so a few times I got the opportunity to guest blog for these bloggers. And I was so caught up in how I didn't take 10, cause like, so that was the other thing. Like I would take these guest blogging courses and they would say, you need to write, you need to spend 10 hours at least writing a blog post. I'm not that kind of writer. I'm the kind of writer that like, I spend a lot of time thinking through things, sitting with it, feeling into it. By the time I sit down and I write something, I tend to just like vomit everything out in like 30 minutes, edit in another 30 minutes and just be done, right? And then I can reread a few times and I'm like, this is okay, like I'm okay with this. So when I was being accepted by these guests, uh, by these blogs to go guest blog for them, I convinced myself that because I didn't spend 10 hours working on these blog posts, working hard, they were crappy and nobody wanted to hire me as a writer and nobody wanted to read my content. Whew. Okay, so now the version of me <laughs> that has done the work like literally in 20, beginning of 2020 during COVID, something in my head is like, I should look at some of these blog posts that I wrote. I had convinced myself that I had failed as a blogger and I'm reading some of these blogs. I had like 100, 200 comments from strangers. The very first blog post I posted on some of these blogs, they would get ridiculous amounts of comments and shares and everything but I couldn't see it, 
right? And I was just talk I was talking about this last year with um in the Money Magic Course group that it had, like I'm still stunned. I'm talking about this even now, and it almost feels surreal because how could I not see this? And I was reading some of the comments last year, and I was just like, some people were like contact us we'd really love to work with you oh my gosh you should really blog on my blog all these things i didn't see that i just didn't this was like eight years ago so reading the stuff i'm just like how did i not see that but i just didn't see that i didn't read those things i didn't do anything because I was convinced this was the worst piece of writing that ever come out of me because I didn't take 10 hours, right? So trauma completely changes how we hear things. So this is why when someone is triggered, we can have arguments with someone and they don't hear us, right? They don't see what we see. They don't understand something and things can be completely misconstrued. Same with money right so this is why it's so important to also understand what are some of the beliefs and then how are they playing out and blocking us so having a deep understanding of our ancestral stories is super important because now i stop myself in fact right like every so often i also notice like how this plays out for me even this year it's like i decided ooh, my current strategy for wealthy money is too simple so i went and i hired a coach uh, i hired two coaches that work together as a team and i completely gave me the most complex strategy that required excel spreadsheets and numbers and this by like april i was extremely exhausted and i was like I am not doing anything in my business. This is ridiculous. And it's only through another session with my trauma coach where she was like, ha, ah, this is your story. This is the next layer. It's coming up again, right? Is that now you're fighting ease and the story is coming up again. So you found a way to, made it, to make it complicated. I was like, wow, I found a way to make it complicated and it cost me so much to complicate this. So the last few months, I've just been uncomplicating everything and going back to ease, right? Um, but it always helps to know this. And I'm so super grateful for my trauma coach uh, because what we work on is my traumas, right? And it's just being able to look at that and see that oh this is what i'm doing right now and then in the meditation as well you get to ask your ancestors about what are some key skills that you can use uh, that you have as a bloodline right so either on your mom's side and on your dad's side not either or on both sides what are some of the skills that you have that you can use in your business super super important i'm not going to touch a lot on this today because i am going to touch on it on day three's video so day three is a very practical exercise we're going to be talking about your business plan uh, we're going to be talking about your business strategy your business model and how to do the practical stuff and how all this information that you got from day two how that then comes into play when you are doing the practical business stuff. So as you are doing the, I need to sell X amount at this price to make this income. And when you set your marketing strategy or you set your operation strategy, this is so, so critical. So obviously, if you know your key strengths, the things that you do really well, uh, that your ancestors did really well, and that may also be a talent for you when it comes to business and handling money, when you're setting the strategy, you want to kind of integrate this stuff into that strategy, right? No matter what anyone else is telling you about their strategy, you want to make it part of your strategy. <sighs> okay. Yeah, so we'll touch on that in day three. That's it from me for today. I don't see anyone's comments. Um, again, my comments thing when I go, when I do live videos, every so often it just, does its own thing so if you guys are commenting i'm gonna see afterwards right after this uh live q a but do let me know what's coming up for you in day two of this um exercise i really really love it especially the um, 
ancestral um, communication, right? And of course, like in that meditation, also asking for wisdom from your ancestors, right? Super, super important and super, super powerful. Because like I said, this is stuff that is going to be then implemented in your business strategy, in the actual practical stuff. Because yes, it's great that we do the work around trauma and the inner work. But at the end of the day, if you're running a business or you are going down the path of building your career, you need to have, you need to do practical stuff, right? For me to be able to grow wealthy money, it's that I have to do things, right? I have to get clients. I have to show up. I have to have websites in place. I have to have all these other things. It's not just happening because I'm thinking it into the ether. I'm also taking action. And this is where the feminine aspects of money and the masculine aspects of money have to be in balance. So it's not just that, ooh, I'm in my feminine when I'm working with money. No, because the masculine is extremely important. We need to have structures. We need to have systems. We need to have strategies. We need to understand the numbers in our own business, right? This is what it means to run a business and when we're creating extra streams of income. Super, super important. So on day three, we're going to go into that and I'm just going to slowly talk about that and some of the things that trip us up, right? So I find that the practical stuff doesn't take long, right? It's like once you know it, you know it, right? <laughs> it's done. But like, um, and you can always tweak it here and there. It's the implementation that becomes an issue. And often the implementation is because we hold so many traumas around the goal itself, around making more money or saving more or being debt free, etc. So Candice, you're saying thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure, Candice. Okay, guys, have a fantastic evening. I look forward to hearing your comments and your feedback on day two. Cheerio. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast which would really make my day also as a bonus if you're interested in changing your spending habits i have a complimentary ebook for you you can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook again wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.